Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast, where we give you a free glimpse of one of our amazing webinars or conferences. You can check out one of our full sessions and get a 50% discount by using the code FEPODCAST at fundraisingeverywhere.com. Yeah, go to fundraisingeverywhere.com and use the code FEPODCAST to get 50% off any of our tickets. Hello, everyone. You're all very welcome to this. This is our uh, monthly podcast, but also it's a live Twitter spaces. So what we do is fundraising everywhere is every month we have a little uh, one of these where I'm joined by my co-founder, Nikki Bell. And we have a look at what the trends have been over the last month, what's been happening in fundraising, what news articles, what stories, what kind of scandal has caught people's interest. Uh, and we just come on here as a bit of an informal chat. So we have a little informal gossip, um, but everyone is very welcome to take part. And if you have any strong opinions on any of the stuff that we talk about on this uh, and you're joining us live, then you can obviously raise your hand or request the microphone and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I see some familiar faces popping in. Um, but what I'm, if you haven't heard of us before, we are fundraising everywhere. We're a community, online virtual community of fundraisers. We run regular training, regular conferences, uh, and we are a bit of a community for our members and for other fundraisers around the world who want to find their crew, who want somewhere to go where we can uh, bounce ideas off each other, get each other's opinions, and really just kind of, I suppose, develop and grow as we go on about, about that. Um, so if you don't know me, my name is Simon Scriver. Normally, I would be joining under my own Twitter handle, which is at Toast Fundraiser. Um, today, I am talking to you under the Fundraising Everywhere handle because I have gone ahead and broken Twitter somehow. Uh, but I'm joined today, as always, by my co-founder, Nikki Bell. Hello, Nikki Bell. Hi. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you hear oh, me? Was... Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a bit of a mess. Nice to have you back on Twitter for a bit, though. Is this permanent? Uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Twitter is not very good for my mental health and sometimes I need to step away. Um, but every once in a while I come back on. But obviously it depends how much of a bummer it is this time. Aye, that's it. Aye. It's not great. So, how, um, yes, go on. Sorry. No, I was going to say I, I am fine. Um, obviously, we've we've just not long come up a meeting together. So we have to do that um, kind of awkward reintroducing. Um, but it's nice to be here for another Twitter Spaces and it's nice to see um, some familiar faces and welcome some people back uh, to the space. We have a very interesting topic lineup today, don't we, Simon? Yeah, there's a couple of things that have caught our eye um, and, and my eye and a couple of things that you sent me that I want to talk about. Um, so we'll get into that. But just in general, over the last few weeks, what's the vibe? What do you think the vibe is with fundraisers? I know, like at the end of last year, it felt like all of the fundraising community was pretty bummed out and pretty burnt out and pretty exhausted with everything going on. Uh, mm. It does feel like it's a lot more hopeful this year. But what what's your thoughts? What's the last month been like for you? Um, I mean, it's been rough, hasn't it? Because there's just there's so much other 
uh, big news happening in the world. You know, we, we, we're kind of easing, I mean, the pandemic's not gone away, but we're kind of easing into what is considered to be the new normal. And now there's thousands, millions of people displaced from their homes um, in, you know, what is like a, a shocking um, attack on humanity um, from, from Russia. So I, I don't know, it's, it's heavy, heavy news. And I think everyone is, uh, is feeling it at the moment. Yeah, and the weird thing about world news like that, or really any world news, is it does impact fundraisers all the time. And I know I was running a training session last week um, for a, lot, a number of fundraisers. Actually, a lot of them were based in Eastern Europe. And and obviously, every cause is affected by this, because even, you know, even if you're not directly working with, you know, around refugees, around, uh, you know, international aid or anything that's directly affected by it, your fundraising is still affected by it because it's like the messaging that's out there is very much about this where people want to help is very much about you know what's going on in the news um and so you can't you can't just kind of it's not just business as usual isn't it even if it's not a direct uh confluence <laughs> a direct connection to what what your own cause is doing no and i and i saw uh, i saw a tweet the other day and i can't remember who it was but someone had posted saying that in times of crisis charities um often see an increase in donations from their own causes even when they're not related to the crisis that's being practically fundraised for so if there's anyone on here josh that might have been you um but if anyone can point me in in the direction to that tweet uh, and the research because i think that's really interesting um and yeah it, it just it, it shows that i think whilst people's minds are overwhelmed with news on the whole, like people want to do good, like they want to help. And one thing that has been amazing over the last few weeks is is obviously seeing uh, people pull to, together um, and want to help in that situation. And I would love to see this kind of response to every crisis um, and for people to pull together and, and help all humans uh, in times of need. Well, what would you be doing if you're a fundraiser in an organisation that's totally unrelated to this or you know feels like it's unrelated to this say you were running like a or fundraising for a homeless charity in the united states or you were fundraising for like dogs in ireland or something like that hmm. would you would you would you touch this like would you mention it and acknowledge it i mean i know i've seen fundraisers and I, and this is you know one of the things i believe is like i love when a non-profit points you towards another non-profit I was just about to say, yeah, because I think we are similar to this. Because, I mean, for fundraising everywhere, we obviously want to help all fundraisers everywhere. And often what that means is that in situations like this, people come to us to ask for help. And obviously we want to help everything. But sometimes the best way for us to help is to step outside the, the way and, and point signposts to people that are the experts who can help in those situations. So to answer your question... Um, I think I, if I was uh, working for another charity that wasn't directly related, we would have to acknowledge it because it's part of our supporters' lives and it's weird not to mention it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely would be saying, and here's some people uh, that can help because you will, you'll know like similar organisations working in those fields. So if you were a homeless charity, then are there homeless organisations in Ukraine that are helping people um, you know, that aren't? maybe it's connected to the news or or, um, or places of aid, you know, to help them. Or if it's an animal charity, you know, maybe there's an animal charity over there. So I think there's a way for charities to be able to link it without, you know, taking over and taking over the narrative and being exploitative uh, in, in situations like this. 
That makes sense. I, I'm curious now. Now, for anyone who's just joining us, I know people are still coming in. This is a live Twitter Spaces where we kind of have a bit of a chat about it. But we are recording this. Uh, we turn this into the Fundraising Everywhere podcast once a month. Uh, we have lots of podcasts. We have po a new podcast episode every week. But this Twitter Spaces discussion once a month comes in. So I would love to hear anyone's opinion. If anyone wants to request the microphone or raise your hand or whatever it is you do on Twitter Spaces, we would love to hear from you. And you can make a, an appearance on the Fundraising Everett podcast. But especially if you're a fundraiser in an organization that's nothing to do with Ukraine uh, and what's going on over there, I would be very curious to hear your thoughts and, and whether you have touched it whether you have mentioned it whether you've had that discussion internally i would love to hear people's opinions on that so please do put up your hand or put up uh put up your microphone or request the microphone nikki i want to i want to ask you about this first thing this first news story that came yeah. up in the last month while people are considering whether to grab the mic or not because this is something that i saw on your linkedin yeah. and it was related to a new a new a, a new app called toucan uh, yeah. And and basically, this came up because it was on Dragon's Den in the UK. Uh, it was it was basically this business looking for funding on Dragon's Den. If you don't know Dragon's Den, people pitch a business idea and they try and get investment. And this particular business was was you know, I suppose positioning itself like so many of these apps and and things do, as a completely new way to approach charity. Um, you know, hopefully going to revolutionise the way fundraising happens and things like this um but i wanted to talk about because i thought i thought it was really interesting some of the comments after you shared it on linkedin nikki some of the comments yeah. were really interesting um what is token app do you do you have a quick summary of it i do uh so token app allows people to show the world what you stand for thousands of charities regular flexible donations one simple app um, I have the website up on my computer. That's how I was able to uh, yeah. to, <laughs> to say it so clearly. Um, but basically, the crack with this um, with this app is that uh, a, a donor can have um, one profile. They can set up how much they want to donate. This money can be split between multiple charities, so it doesn't just have to be one organization. But two can say that their main selling point is that the charities do not get their data. Um, and I, I, this isn't the first time that a, a platform like this uh, has, has been created. It's just obviously this one ended up on Dragon's Den and, and get, got quite a, a lot of uh, publicity for it. Mm. So um, charities are auto-enrolled enrolled on the platform, so they don't have to um, request to be on there. I think it's like a, a threshold of how much they fundraise and then they get added on. And basically, when someone donates to the organization, the charities just get an email from Tukin saying, some money's going your way, coming your way, uh, there we go. So I just shared uh, Stephen Bartlett's post of it. So Stephen Bartlett's one of the the, 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 the dragons on, on the den and just asked what people's thoughts were on it because I think there are a couple of ways that we can look at this. Um, so some observations from my side are that, you know, it's it can be harmful. I think Deborah Meaden, one of the dragons, quite rightly said, you know, data is a lifeblood of a charity organization. Without that, we can't build relationships. We can't say thank you. You know, we can't then try and cultivate for that sub subsequent gift, which I, I guess is the whole point of the app. But mm. then on the other side, you know, maybe is this the future? Like we already know that choice and control is uh, a huge um, factor that we need to think of now when, when um, fundraising from supporters, especially since there's been a spike in like one-off initial donations and we do have to work harder to win 
people and, and, and keep them in our organizations. So mm-hmm. what I would love to kind of get some thoughts on from people who are listening today and who've joined us today are, you know, is this something that needs to be avoided at all costs? Is this something that we're just going to see more of going forward that charities need to deal with? I'm really interested to hear other people's thoughts. Um, another kind of thing as well that I thought about it is like, well, if two can own the data, like what are they doing with it? Do you know what I mean? Like they've given the data to someone. So I would wonder what mm-hmm. their motives are. And it's interesting because Tugan did engage with your tweet about this earlier but they haven't come on which is interesting um well one, one of their team might be here as an individual oh, yeah? let's have a <laughs> so, look at their profiles yeah if you are if you are related to Tukin, i'd love to i'd love you to come on and chat to us about the product i think and and we're going to bring josh up on stage and see if he has any thoughts he's here but if anyone else has any thoughts i think there's a few things in here one, one of the things one of the things you said there that it's harmful i thought was interesting because immediately my question is harmful to who um, because it's like there's a conversation here around data and around you know um, who we're trying you know who we're trying to benefit here or who we're trying to put front and center. And yeah, I think all the fundraisers who saw this app straight away were like, well, you know, we need data. Our our whole program is based on data. Data is valuable. And and you're right, it's what 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 one of the d- dragons said on the TV show. But at the same time, the question comes up, is that a completely archaic way of thinking? Because, you know, we're all becoming much more mindful of data. And as individuals, you know, taking off my fundraiser hat, I don't I don't want my data to necessarily be shared. I don't want to keep being asked for money. I want that control and that choice. And so is maybe token giving it? So, you know, do should we be outvoted as fundraisers because maybe it is in the best interest and maybe it's less harmful that we don't get access to that data? But then obviously you raise the point that this is a private business who has the data and how does that work? So I'm curious to know what people think about that data access, you know, whether, whether this is something, uh, you know, what your opinion is as a charity, as a fundraiser, but also as a human, as an individual looking at it from the other side, I'm curious of people's thoughts. The other thing I thought I'd love to hear people's opinions on this app is, you know, this app very, it feels like it positions it that charities are very interchangeable. You know, basically when you set up this app, you have a portfolio, you decide you're going to give away a hundred euro or a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars a month. And then the charities within that budget kind of, you can switch between them. You can, your relationship isn't with the charity, it's with the cause almost. And I think that's quite interesting because we like to think donors think about us as a, as a charity and are proud to be a donor to our charity. But at the same time, you know, sometimes I, I do have that feeling that that for for donors, for the for normal humans, charities are very interchangeable. You know, it's very much about the cause as opposed to the brand. And so maybe Tukin is is taking the right step here where it, it is it is responding to what humans actually want. And then the last thing I'd love people's opinion at is on, is on the pricing model. So again, what we're seeing here is a pricing model where 100% goes to the charity and there's no fee deducted, but people have the option of adding a fee on it. And and I think people have heard my opinion before on the 100% model that I think it's you know not a good model and that it's long-term not uh, beneficial to the sector, but I would love to hear people's thoughts. So there's a big menu there on, on in terms of what you can give your opinion on. So please do raise your hand. But I'm gonna I'm gonna finally turn it to Josh um, because Josh is here, and it's not often we get a chance to hear from Josh. That's not true. We love him. Can <laughs> we get here from Josh? Did you have something you have a very strong opinion on on this menu of subjects, or what do you, mean, do you just want to say hello? I mean, I'll start by saying hello. Hi, hi everyone. How are you? 
Um, it's the data. I have to talk about the data because yes. I obviously agree with Nikki here that I think this vilification of data is wrong. And I think that that's a dangerous rhetoric to start where it kind of un sort of, I don't know, starts this conversation about the evils of charities having your data. And I think that the, the key distinction we need to make, and we touched on this um, in the February webinar, and then Alex Fearon sent a really great email about it earlier this week or, or last week, is the difference between third party and first party data. And giving your email address or your postal address or phone number to a charity that you trust is very different to Meta and Google gobbling up all of your activity and calling it like data. And these are two very different things. And so I think while I understand this, this growing consumer awareness of their data and the value of it, I think there's a big difference between giving your email address to a charity because you want to know more about their work or not understanding where your data is going and it's just falling into the meta engine and you just have no idea what's happening with it. Um, and so, yeah, I just don't want those two things to be mixed up so people think that charities are doing the same thing when they're not. They're actually collecting the minimal amount of data under GDPR to have a good relationship with you. And I think these are two different things. And it, it just by muddying the waters there, I think Toucan is, if they're pushing that method, that message, they're possibly going to do more damage to charities than good, I would suggest. Can well, I just, sorry, can I just jump in? Toucan are here, so maybe they oh. can join now um, and share from their uh, side as to the reasoning behind it, because obviously, you know, there the would have been discussions around this and that is a huge USP. So I would love uh, for whoever it is that's joined from the Toucan uh, Twitter account to join us as a speaker, because uh, we, we'd just, we'd love to hear. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna invite Tukin up onto the stage if they if they want to share. You know that would be lovely. But in the meantime, while they're considering whether or not to uh, take that risk, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on both Nikki and Josh. And what I'm gonna do I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I'm gonna play God's advocate. Oh God, here. again? No, no, no. But, but not listen, God's advocate at all. <laughs> but listen, like, just give me a second. So <laughs> we're talking from the inside like and and you know what what josh is saying there it's almost like the feeling that it's like well we're not big and bad like meta and da, da, da. but you know to the normal to the to the average person to the normal person are we any different because you know if i get if i make a donation for me as a human it's like i'm in control of that donation now is the time i want to donate i want to donate and that's it and, and the next time I want to donate, I'm going to donate. I don't need you as a charity to ask me again. I don't need you to to follow up with me again. I understand why it works as a charity. And from our side, I understand why we need it. But, you know, why why should charity have access to the data? Why should the charity be able to follow up with me and keep asking me for stuff? Uh, so just to point out that that is what I said <laughs> When I joined, you know, that there is a, a growing trend in, you know, choice and control being a, a huge key factor for, for donors for where they want to give. I said that mm -hmm. there were perspectives that we needed to think about, but I do agree with Josh as well that the whole, it's the, the narrative around like charities are bad and you need to be kept as separated from them. And I, I remember seeing the founder on Dragon's Den and he was saying, you know, we need to act as a firewall. I do think that that's quite harmful because it's playing into this narrative that like charities are gonna, you know, be like, once they have your address, they're gonna be around every day and be like, can we have some more money, can we have some more money? And I, I think like there's an opening up of conversations that we have to have that can show how great giving can be and how it's when done properly, like it can be a really enjoyable experience for all parties. So yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that there's like a wider issue 
that impact our sector by the narrative that Tugan is sharing. Um, and that is something that we as a sector need to push back from. We can't, we, you, can't let, we can't let that happen. Do you not think like, <laughs> do you not think like Meta are sitting in their offices and saying, oh no, but we're not like, uh, you know, we're not like Airbnb, we're not like a telecoms company, we're connecting the world and we're great and people want to hear from us and they've got to hear our news because it's important. Do, do you not think that's like, that's not an arrogance everyone has that it's like, no, no, my message isn't spam. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so okay. when do you take why are you on Mark Zuckerberg's side? Simon? Uh, he's just no, he's, no he's he's just he's gone too far down this road, Josh. He needs to stick to it now. <laughs> Sorry, I keep I trying to keep taking the little hand emoji down, but it won't come down. Sorry, I like it's just like little virtual high fives. Um yeah, si Simon, I don't think you truly believe this. I think you're just doing it for the sake of your your advocate position. No, I mean, I mean, okay. Well, this is this is a tricky area because, in in a way, I believe it. In that, I I don't believe in advertising. I mean, I don't believe I don't believe in capitalism and money. And I mean, you know, you know this. I'm a communist. But my point my point is 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 why are we why do we think we're different from these businesses? Yes, we we're supposed to be the good sector, but I would argue there's registered charities who are doing more harm than some private businesses do you know there's some there's some like organization there's some charities in ireland who are say anti-choice anti-human rights you know some of the stuff they campaign about are, is really really awful but because they're a charity we kind of feel like well they should have access to data and they should have these these um you know these these extra things that businesses shouldn't have and but at, at the I, same I, time, are we are we right to be thinking that right i get what you're saying but like for those organizations, yes, I would completely like disagree with their cause, but that's taken it away completely from this discussion here, which is okay. the the narrative around like the data. And because for, for that organization, unfortunately, there will be people that support that. And if that charity, that organization wants to build a relationship with, with those people, it sucks. But like they're consenting to that and it's making it happen. The issue here is that Tugan is saying that charities and, and donors should be kept apart from each other because it's harmful. And whilst that's what we're disagreeing with here, the other ones, it's the cause that's harmful, but that's a completely different discussion. And we can have another podcast on that another day. Yeah. And I, I, okay. I think, and I'd love, I'd love to hear Tukin, Tukin kind of let us know about this. I, I understand that it also seems like a bit of maybe an intimidating situation to put yourself in. <laughs> but I'm curious. I, I, I've downloaded the app, but I haven't started using it yet. Do you, can you? choose to hear from the charity so is there that is there that possibly i i agree that that you know the wording they used about like a firewall and this idea of like protecting the donor from it i do i, I agree with you you know taking off my god's advocate hat that does seem like a har harmful language but i think like i think we do have to be realistic about data that it's like you know for most people they they kind of do want a firewall they do want protection from companies and, and marketers and stuff and that's what i'm saying if people choose that they're choosing to go on to this app to give money so they're obviously going oh that usp works for me and that's fine you know because choice and control like people have to have it if they want to build a relationship with the charity then you know surely they'll come direct for me like the harmful thing is like the narrative around it and what it plays into sector wide especially when that bit went out on dragon's den like that's not yeah. good like for the sector so I, I don't think like platforms like that shouldn't exist because people should be allowed to have a choice. What I'm saying is that it's from from an inside from an internal point of view or from a charity organization, 
it's just not what we would want people to do because obviously you know it, it doesn't allow us to to, to grow um, and it would I don't know if the founders have any experience of working internally for charities if it was just like an idea that they had like for the business and we're like here's a problem and let's solve it mm. that's fine but I just you know it's it's uh, to, to platform that kind of narrative though is is, is bad Melody's joined as a speaker and I'm, yeah. just, I'm keen to get their view as well because we can we can battle this out we work together so we can just keep battling this out once the the podcast's done <laughs> Yeah, well, we would, we would continue to take it. But yeah, and, and I saw Caro has come up as a speaker as well. So yeah, let, right, let's cool. first go to Melody. Melody, have you have you got thoughts on this? Is there something you want to share on this? Um, yeah, so firstly, hi, I'm Melody. Um, I was um, one of the co-founders of Tukin. Um, ah, so, hi. Hey. <laughs> so, thanks for coming. No, yeah, no problem. I thought it was quite... Um, like, well, thanks for you guys for watching the dragon's den segment and you know now we've kind of made it into the podcast topic which you know it really part of being in the space is getting these conversations going and not just with you know donors but with you know charities and fundraisers themselves um so first off before i go into the data point i just want to mention that um the segment that they show on dragon's den um it is probably a just a few minutes of you know over two and a half hours of us being in the den. So wow. the way that they framed it and the narrative that they kind of set out was dramatic <laughs> for TV. Um, so the part that they miss is that, um, yes, on the one hand, you know, we do want to make, um, you know, we want to make, you know, giving second nature, we want, um, you know, more money going into the charity se sector. Um, but what they didn't capture was the fact that a part of this is also building our relationships with the charities and also the charity's relationship with the donors. Um, I feel like that point about data was a little bit misrepresented because I agree the words fire wall um, are not the best <laughs> choices of words because it does make it seem as if, you know, charities are evil and they're using your data for, you know. Um, but I think the point around that really came from the fact that when we did talk to donors, one of the things that stood out, one of two things that stood out as to why they were not currently giving or why they were hesitant to, number one was not understanding um, what impact they could make. And this is important in two key parts of that donor journey. One is just before they make that donation, the decision and the triggers that push them to make the donation. Second is after they've made their donations and the time following. Um, the second point was around pestering. So, I mean, the word pestering is probably not the best word to use either, but the point was that, you know, and that someone raised it earlier as well, it wasn't so much about fear, being fearful of, oh, you know, this charity knows all this information about me. It was more kind of just like, um, I'll, you know, I'll give when I'm, you know, when I want to give, when I'm ready to give, rather than receiving, you know, constant reminders as to, oh, you should donate now, that kind of thing. Um, so, what we want to do as Tukin is like, yes, we kind of come in as like this middle men, middle women, um, you know, platform where we sit in this like world where we create between donors, charities, um, the projects charities potentially work on and how to merge those two things. And because we're still very early stage, there's still a lot of development on the charity side that we haven't gotten to yet. And same with on the donor side. Um, we've kind of just started off with like, you know, this portfolio piece and the fact that charities have, you know, this profile, um, which is still very bare bones. Uh, I think there could be a lot more in those charity profiles to make them um, more informative. Um, but it's the start. Uh, and to 
kind of keep communications within the, the app so that people kind of come on when they, you know, you don't want to um, versus feeling like, you know, they were getting tons of communication around, oh, this is what this charity is doing, this is what that charity is doing, etc. Um, so I think there's still a lot for us to explore within how to build out that relationship um, over the long term. And it is one of our kind of, like you know, one of the pillars of our you know vision is also around bringing to light um, local and small charities, uh, giving them a voice, um, just because in terms of like how charities kind of push out, you know, their campaigns or the projects that they're working on now, um, social media is kind of playing quite a big part in that now, but there's still a disconnect um, between, you know, the ch ch uh, profile that charities put out on their socials and actually the donations that come in. Um, and it's something that we want to, um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely something we're really keen on building out more of and giving these um, small and local charities a voice as well. We didn't really get a chance to um, talk about it as much in that segment. And a lot of what we did talk about wasn't shown, but um, that is an area that we're uh, focusing on. But that is Melody. Uh, firstly, thank you so much for coming on. That's really, really appreciate you uh, doing that. And and it's so interesting to hear that you were in there for two and a half hours, kind of pitching this and talking through it. And and obviously, we only see a very edited version and and come through for that. So that is really interesting. Before before we unpack some of that, how how has the overall experience been for you? Like, did you enjoy the Dragons Den thing? Has it been positive since then, or is it something that you're I mean, it must. It must be overwhelmingly positive, is it? Um, so it depends what platform the com the feedback is coming from, which is very interesting. <laughs> um, so I would say on LinkedIn, it has been majority positive. Even mm -hmm. the ones that you know were critical about the decision that we had made and why we only went for one dragon, they still spoke about it very constructively. <laughs> we got mm -hmm. probably the most um, like funny or hateful type comments on Twitter, but we don't take it personally. I think it's just, you know, it, it happens when you're kind of put on TV and it, I guess the portrayal of you on TV is going to be interpreted by people however they want. Yeah. Um, Facebook has been uh, positive because um, we have kind of like a we call them early birds, but it's just people who are keen to shape and build the platform with us to join and kind of like work together. Mm. Um, and then Instagram has been pretty good as well. I would say that um, overall, it seems that people seem like donor wise have seemed quite receptive and warm to the uh, idea and the concept of what Toucan is. They like that. But the part that we're still going to be working on, and I think will take a lot of time, is understanding those triggers to getting people to donate. Because it's not enough mm -hmm. for people to be like, okay, I like this uh, platform. You guys have cool features. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't equal use. So mm -hmm. the next part that we really have to understand is those triggers to donating, how to build more empathy around what charities are doing, what projects they're working on, putting, you know, faces, people, et cetera, at the forefront of those, because that is what helps, you know, trigger the d people to want to donate. And then also on the charity side. So we've actually had um, an overwhelmingly positive response from charities. Mm -hmm. Last I checked, we probably signed on about 500 or so new charities on board. Um, so the, like the yeah the reception from charities has been positive mainly like um smaller and local charities as well which makes sense because you know these are the ones that kind of get lost sometimes and um mm. you know when it's, it's when they're competing against let's say organizations that have you know maybe more budget around putting their chair like either projects and things like that out there so yeah that's really interesting they're, they're, i'm gonna i'm gonna ask caro what caro's thoughts are in a second but mm -hmm. i just want to say 
there's a really interesting thing around language there that you're talking about because you know you you talk about having spoken to donors and you know them using words like pestering and and i've i've heard that thought before and and there's a there's a really interesting way the public um view charities you know i found obviously i i'm old enough to have lived through a few charity scandals when it gets really big and and you know if you talk to people kind of vaguely about charities people do say charities pester charities waste money charities take too much percentage and then when you drill it down to a specific charity people start to change their tune and it's really interesting people people kind of have this idea that the charity sector is bad but not my charities and so they kind of feel like you know i i find if you have these kind of vague conversations people say charity is a scam charity is a is a you know they take too much of a cut it's a waste of money it's in the way but then when you say like, yeah, but do you, do you know, who's your favorite charity? And then when you start to press them about it, they're like, yeah, yeah, but that charity's great. They do amazing things. I fundraise for them every year. I donate to them. And people have this very different view of the charity sector and then actual charities within it. And I think that's, that's you know, something we have to be mindful of when we're creating these things is like, people have really strange views about it or people are, people are like unreliable judges of their own view of it and sometimes don't kind of don't kind of get that across and and we see that come through when you start to fundraise and when you start to do these kind of vaguer things people don't respond to them but when you kind of really connect with them as a charity and when you share stories about what's actually happening on the ground people start to give and people start to really respond to that that's me waffling let me let me turn to caro 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 you were going to say something about this have you got thoughts about this yeah, I mean, I guess on several aspects, I find it really interesting, the discussion around data, you know, like you were saying with charities having data, when you, it's a bit like when you have those posts on Facebook saying, I do not give authority to Facebook to have my data or whatever. And, and it's like, actually, we're giving our data to all of those massive organizations anyway, a bit like, you know, the scam WhatsApp things that go around every so often, it's turn these settings off and all this. And yet, Charities are the demons for actually having someone's email address, which is just bizarre when everyone else knows a lot more about you. Um, secondly, Simon, I completely agree with you on the donor front because I think um, I am a fundraiser, but I have donated to some charities in the past year and they have bombarded me. And I've kind of gone like that. I think I tweeted about it um, maybe a month or two ago that like there must be some kind of middle ground now in terms of like marketing preferences. Like I want there to be a box that says, please don't contact me unless there's like a crisis and then just text me, <laughs> you know, something a bit more flexible than like. And <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, just... you're, you're saying this, Karen, because you're a fundraiser. <laughs> so does your when you send out these communications when your organization sends out do you do you give those options do you give that level of option to people no no and, but that's <laughs> what i mean i think like as a sector you know i just don't think we are doing it well enough because automatically by me donating to other organizations they've added me to mailing lists and sent me like you know stuff in the post like at least once a month and I'm like I don't I don't want that and I know I can go on you know they they then responded to me and said you can change your marketing preferences if you I don't know go into your email account or something like that but it's like it needs to be a lot more flexible so I kind of get where this app is coming from that you know people want to be able to pick and choose it might be that 
you know people like me might donate because the charity is going through a hard time from the uh, <laughs> the press <laughs> that's you know one of my motivations to support them in their time of need um yeah. but then i think the other the final aspect that i wanted to talk about was also like while we're all for like innovation from the charity perspective you know when new fundraising platforms pop up just in terms of like the back office support you know i don't know whether it's worse even for small charities or large charities but you know when you suddenly get a fundraiser who who is supporting you and doing an event or something they set up on another platform and you're like oh you know it's another one for us to manage <laughs> like yeah. where that's coming from you know so in terms of the admin to the charity of trying to work out you know things coming through gofundme or paypal or just giving or you know whatever the next platform is you're just getting all of these reports and it's it's a lot well the the interesting thing about Tukin, you won't get any of that data so you won't have to process it N nikki nikki you, what's your thoughts let's bring it back to you Thank you. Um, so, and again, it's just interesting that this conversation is coming from a perspective of like what charities want to make it e and what makes it easier for us. And like I said at the beginning, you know, if, if this is where like the, the donor behaviours and stuff are going to, then how do we make this better? And how do we just accept that platforms like this are going to pop up because of our, because of bad practice from, from some organisations? And is this like a collective thing that we say, right, okay, well, we'll try but we'll we'll do better you know we're not going to add people onto our lists when they've not um consented because obviously that's against gdpr but like it still happens you know are we just going to contact are we going to segment are we going to be relevant in our communications and can we start to build trust and melody i appreciate you coming on as well and for anyone who's not long just joined us um melody's one of the co-founders of the toucan app that we're discussing right now um and uh, just to go back to your point from before of if you are going to start developing uh, this this app and, and start to learn more about what those triggers are for people given that first data, uh, first donation, I would say like charities are your best people to learn that from because they know about like the, the empathy, they know about the emotion, they know about the storytelling. And I just think that there could be a great opportunity here for Toucan to work more in line with charity organisations in a way that can actually help them. And together, so Toucan and the, the charity sector organisation can do something to start to build trust that people aren't so protective of their data all the time, you know, and, and they do understand more about it and they do, and they do, um, uh, they are more willing uh, to, to be able to share that with us. Because as well, like this, and I know this has been mentioned lots of times already, like the sector is negatively portrayed in the press and elsewhere, mostly in the press about this kind of activity. But like, Craigie, like I'll email like a business or something, a question, and then all of a sudden I'm on the mailing list and I'm getting like five sales emails a day. So like charities are often held up as being the, the, the bad people in this, but like on the whole, like there's so many more that are worse from it. I just think sometimes we're an easy, easy target. And, and I think there's a, there's a it's all brilliant points. And I think there's the risk that charities always get clumped into together, don't they? Like when someone says charities do this, or we want this from charities. Charities are there's a huge range of uh, organisations out there, and all behaving very, very differently. And I have seen some terribly shoddy uh, uh, data practices from from the way charities auto subscribe me and communicate with me. But then that's certainly not representative of everyone in the sector. So we do. It's hard to get the general public to distinguish between charities and not just kind of clump us all in together. I find. Um, Josh, ha having listened to Melody kind of speak through that, have you got any any more thoughts on this? Anything else that pops into your head? Yeah, I think I'm going to like 
I'm going to say pivot. I'm sorry, everyone. But just to pivot the conversation, I'm on the Toucan website now. And the thing that's really leapt out at me immediately is the mission statement. Toucan's mission is to make giving fun, flexible, and accessible for all. And I think, Simon, you made some really good points that when you ask a donor versus when you dig a little bit deeper, they do give you two different responses. But overall, like clearly donors don't find the current methods of donating fun, flexible, or accessible. Um, yeah. And I guess it, how many more DM packs are we going to send them before they just stop picking up paper altogether and move entirely online or whatever the future holds. But I, I had a really interesting conversation with a client the other day and we were talking about kind of reaching millennials with their message. And, and I said, well, why don't you just stop doing like, why don't we break away from the existing model of asking for a DD or a standing order and maybe put a, a regular um Apple wallet gift or a Google wallet gift or something like that, just really completely break down what you would normally do and approach it from a fun, accessible, flexible point of view. And I think that is purely what digital fundraising can and should be is fun, accessible and flexible. Um, so I can, yeah, I think from a, a completely different perspective, I can see that you kind of doing a really great piece of work there and actually trying to re like redefine donating, particularly for a younger audience. Um, and I just want to make sure we credit that because well, I do definitely agree that the, the language around data and the language around all these other areas is, is very troubling. I think that there's a whole other perspective here, which is that Toucan are actually potentially going to redefine donating for at least some audiences so that they actually mm -hmm. do have fun while they do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a positive I, Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like people will choose it, won't it? It'll be, will be, will the success will speak for itself when people sign up for this and they use this there will be that's the audience who who want this so yeah i think you're right in that we should be really uh uh congratulatory and applaud applauding of people like melody who are trying new things and are trying to repackage um the way we we do this let me ask Mel melody do you, do you have anything to add having heard there from a few people is there anything else you want to say and melody i have to ask you before you leave we're gonna have to get you to say i'm out and then hang up that's how i want you to leave when you leave okay but in the meantime have you got any other thoughts about about what we've been saying here yes i'll definitely do that uh when i <laughs> leave the podcast discussion today um yeah so on the charity side we actually do have a head of charities that uh, frequently works at, alongside our coo john who did come from the charitable sector he used to be, uh, uh, run the small charities Co coalition in the uk um, and they're the ones that are kind of like maintaining our relationships with the charities so at the moment, what we do want to do is um, create better charity profiles over time. And it'll take us time to understand, like, A, you know, what platforms and what channels are charities currently engaging with both um, existing donors and potential donors? Um, you know, what platforms have kind of worked, what haven't? Because, you know, I think um, over the period of COVID especially, um, I did notice a lot of social media platforms add more kind of, like, uh, donation options, um, you know, TikTok, Instagram, uh, a lot of streaming websites, etc., stuff like that as well. So it'd be interesting to know how um, many donations charities are actually able to acquire on those existing platforms to see where something like Toucan can fit in. Um, and uh, yeah, and on the point about uh, donors, so we are another thing that kind of is a little bit tricky that came up in that Dragon Stand segment was the term uh, millennials that was used um, of course that was like a very small part of the entire conversation but then some people did comment that oh maybe we were being ageist and we were you know um, alienating a lot of people by saying that um, it's not that we're only targeting millennials it's just to start off with we were just looking at 
casual reactive givers specifically. Um, so recently we put out something called a spotlight fund, which is around the Ukraine crisis. Um, and our thinking around that was really about the fact of, you know, we're focusing on donors with casual reactive behaviors. Of course, anyone of any age can fall into that category. It just so happens, you know, at the time, it does happen to be people of the younger generations. Um, one of the reasons that we kind of see for that is, you know, the way that people learn about information and the way that people learn about what's currently happening um, in terms of like current events. Let's, you know, if we're going to take it back, we take it back all the way to like COVID, Australian wildfires, you know, Black Lives Matter. And now we have the Ukraine crisis. And the point is that people passively learn about these topics and that is what is helping them build the empathy because right now like you know if charities are pushing out their let's say their content on instagram or through their emails um it's it's easy for that to get lost because especially on social media your content is competing with so much other types of content um but what's interesting when it comes to current events is that you have a bunch of people on a bunch of these pl platforms talking about the same thing and it requires no effort from the potential donor or user uh, to look that up so over time their empathy is building but passively now trying to figure out a way how to replicate that for you know other issues and charities will be difficult but that is the beginning of what we're looking to explore as well on the donor side and on the charity side it's about understanding what you know charities are currently doing and how to can can uh, assist in that did you say something there as as that that millennials or that younger people they're more you kind of implied there that email would kind of be missed or or that kind of old school communication would be missed whereas this social stuff is more spotable is that what you said or did i mishear um, that well okay so what i meant what i mean by that is that um social like social media is probably one of those uh you know whether it's facebook whether it's instagram um it's one of those plot it's those platforms that people are on constantly um and if you have your friends and family if you have people that you follow or just within your discover and everyone's kind of talking about the same thing um you know naturally your empathy towards that particular topic your knowledge of that topic um is is going to increase just and but it doesn't require you to do anything extra to learn of that inf information um i do find that in emails um and also from some users that we have spoken to it does get a bit lost because a if it ends up in your spam that's a high chance that people won't open it and if it just ends up in your you know regular inbox it's just yeah competing with a lot more other emails and people don't uh, like you know read through them as much as we'd like them to right Mm, that's really that's really interesting because i'm a i'm a uh well actually i fall into the generation x category i don't know if people have heard of that but we had like the spice girls and yeah. pepsi max and stuff and it was it was wild times in the 80s and 90s so i'm gonna i'm gonna turn to nikki and josh actually is josh a millennial josh must be, must be a millennial surely he must be if not gen z uh josh gen is very like Spice Girls, though I think me and Josh both caught that. Didn't well, you, I, I think Spice Girls bridge bridge every generation, so that was a bad example. But Nikki is a millennial. What's <laughs> your problem? <laughs> um, and I, it's interesting. I think we have to we have to like use that information. We already know that with new donors and younger people coming through, that their preferred methods of engaging with us is is wildly different from what we're used to. You know, we've been talking about the burning platform in the sector for you know, the past couple of years and all of that's been accelerated by uh, the pandemic. And we are, I mean, we're talking about this in our May conference around how are we going to engage with people in new places? You know, we're seeing TikTok um, being used uh, in, in new ways by charity organisations with varying results and some of them really big. So 
I think there is something there. Um, and, you know, again, we have to kind of, we have to use it and we have to be kept up to date with it. But I think the need for relationship building and then taking these donors on a journey, that's something that will always be there. And it's for us to work out, well, how do we, how do we get these people to, to want to stay? Like, how do we make them feel good? And I know we were going to talk about um, Vu's uh, article today, which we might not actually have time for. We might have to, to move that to an, another one. But I think it just it shows how rapidly the sector's changing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's up to us as to whether or not we're going to use it or try and push back against it. You, you said something really interesting there, where and, and I, I almost didn't question it because you were like, you know talking about building relationships like that's like mm -hmm. a no-brainer but actually i wonder for gen z or you, you know beyond us you know because nikki you're you're getting older but beyond <laughs> us uh he's only saying that because he's in a different country and yeah. he's not going to be i'll get you next time though i'll be seeing you soon <laughs> you're gonna punch him and uh, so the um the like do they want relationships i mean i want to I, I would we don't would, know this is the thing yeah. it's a complete it's a completely Fine. new audience to us and i think we have to work with them to find out what the crack is um but I, you know but removing them from that opportunity completely it's not going to allow us to to do that josh sorry what were you going to say just, yeah, what you doing? I, I think look at movements like fridays for future fragile fridays and these other sort of youth oriented youth led environmental activism movements just as an example like young people do look for that ongoing relationship with a brand that's doing good or with a purpose brand and i think that increasingly they're going to actually be looking for that relationship from corporate brands and commercial commercial brands and i i don't actually agree at all that like young people or i'm not that anyone said this but i don't think young people are not looking to have a long-term relationship with the brands that they engage with that do good um, for example, last week, me and some other fellow millennials were talking about the Spice Girls and Pepsi Max and talking about the, the toilet roll brand who gives a crap. And it's, they, they kind of, they sell you the toilet roll, but actually the product you're buying in quote marks is the engagement you get to have with this company that's investing in wash and hygiene and investing in toilets around the world. And they give you fun facts and they build a long-term relationship with you. And though they are like technically outside of the charity sector, I think that there's, Young people do want to have long-term relationships and deeper relationships with brands that are doing good, whether they be typical registered charities or they are purpose brands or tech for good brands. And I think that uh, it's kind of, it, it's not enough to say that they wouldn't want that relationship, but I would also, in defense of the average millennial, I don't think we can just write off specific channels as well, because there are charities and non-charities using email really effectively, like Who Gives a Crap, but also like Charity Water in the US, they do amazing email content. And they are a registered charity and they tell these beautiful stories, brilliant imagery, long form storytelling in their emails. But if we wanted to look at the UK, you've got Greenpeace UK who do very short text only email that's also super engaging. And I, I think it's not a question of the, the whole channel being thrown out with the bathwater, but rather who's doing it well, what does good look like and what do young people want from these channels rather than young people don't engage with these channels and don't want a long term relationship. They, they are happy to give their data to a company or to a brand that's going to treat that data well and tell them about the impact they can have with that product um, or service or charity or what it may be. Um, so, yeah, I just got passionately defending millennials there as the do-gooders that we might want to be, given the chance. Well, that's what happens when you hang out with millennials all the time, Josh, and, and I, would, I would love to get a glimpse of you on a night out with some millennials. 
So yeah, I, mean, I, th I think I think there's some really interesting points there, and I think you know we're in danger of saying millennials behave like this and Gen X behave like this, and your you know people on Twitter behave like this, when in reality you know every organize every charity is going to be different. How charities you know who the audience your desired audience is is going to be different, and so whether whether an app like Tukin is right for you, whether email is right for you, whether Twitter is right for you, whether TikTok's right for you, it's going to depend on a lot of things, isn't there? There, there isn't one rule. And I think I think that's some really good points. Uh, as Nikki said, I'm really conscious of time. We've only got five minutes left and we do love giving people the microphone so that they appear on the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Remember, we do uh, turn this into a podcast episode. So I'm just going to go around and just give, give people a last um, uh, uh, say off. But if you do have something to say before we log off, then please do um, request the microphone and we'll bring you up on stage. Um, I'll, I'll come back to Nick. No, let's start with Nicky. Nicky, have you got something to say before I go round the tables? Well, I was just unmuting to say that Melody had unmuted, so I think that they had something that they that they wanted to to say. So we'll start with Melody first, and then I'll go last. Okay, and then Mel Melody, we need you. That we we need the soundbite of you saying "I'm out," and that's going to be your last word. So when you give us the mic dropping moment, I want you to say "I'm out," and then we'll we'll start to wrap up. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. Just let, uh, so I guess after I speak now, I'd leave a moment and then I just say I'm out or amazing. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Honestly, I just want to hear you say what the dragons said to you, because I hate the dragons and I like people <laughs> like you and I want us to start giving them a bit of shit. So whatever way you want to do it, it's fine. OK. Um, yeah, no, actually, I just wanted to uh, comment on what Josh had said. And I agree with everything that you've said. And I do think that it's not a matter of young people or younger people not wanting to build relationships. And actually, if we are, I don't want to break it down into generations, but if we are looking even at Gen Z, they're probably the most um, vocal uh, when it comes to issues and the ones that um, are much more, or they seem at least a lot more passionate about wanting to make a change. It's just their approach is different. And it'll be a matter of like, how do we, um, wh where's the middle ground, I guess, between charities and this group of people. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna quickly say this is really interesting. It's great to hear kind of the opinions of you know people in the sector. Um, and before I go, I'll just quickly say, I'm out. Yes, that's that's the highlight of my day. Thank you very much, Manly. And and I mean, uh, let's talk another time about what the dragons are really like because I really don't like the cut of their jib sometimes. So I definitely want to pick your brains on that, uh, Manly. Really, really grateful for you to come on and talk about your own app like that, and actually, you know, listen to some of the feedback or some of the the thoughts that that people have had on this. We hope you'll come back and kind of keep us updated how it's going, and we'd love to we'd love to kind of follow that. And 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 I'll definitely be trying out the app. So thank you very much for that. Caro, have you got any final final thoughts to share? Well, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, um, the only thing I had to say was I heard the lift isn't real. What? On Dragon's Den. It's not. Oh, the it's lift? Not, the elevator. It's not real. And it just shattered all of my illusions about that program. Melody, confirm or deny? Uh, it, it's not real. <laughs> what? Confirmed. That's yeah, stupid. sorry, guys. All right. Well, thanks for that, Karen. Thanks for bursting no that bubble. Uh, if anyone else has any final thoughts, please do request that microphone. Josh, you, you've said had some really great thoughts, and we always love hearing your opinion. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we start to wrap up? I would just say like a huge thank you to someone like Tukan and Melody at Tukan for saying like we need to make donations fun what was it fun 
flexible and accessible. And I think that if the biggest thing the entire sector gets out of this is a fire under its, can I say ass? I'm going to anyway, a fire under its ass to try and make fundraising fun, which it's right there in the name. And I think that Toucan, if, if the biggest takeaway we get as a sector is to drive in that direction, I think that's a huge win as well. Yeah, well, kudos, absolutely, kudos to Toucan. This is not a sponsored podcast or uh, or Twitter Spaces, um, but actually, Nikki, maybe we should auto enroll Toucan as a sponsor and just send them an invoice. Oh, yeah, I was going to send them an invoice after. Um, yeah. <laughs> my final thoughts are just the same as what I said at the beginning. Like opportunities like this and platforms and tech like this are going to pop up. I think as charity organizations, we need to be aware of that. And we just need to constantly think about how we can make giving um, the best it can be for our supporters that they want to be with us, that we're not demanding that attention. And we absolutely 100% do not deserve like that. We're not entitled to it. We have to work for it. But I also stand by the fact that any narrative that can harm us long term as a sector collectively we do need to come back come together and um, to combat that because that benefits us all if we do kind of break down myths try and find out more uh behind the scenes which is exactly what we've been doing on this podcast and just yeah thank you to to melody um, and the team at Toucan for coming on and joining and sharing uh your side because that did really help to give all sides uh, of the discussion today so that was very good thank you Brilliant, Nikki. As always, a great wrap-up, a great final thought. There's nothing I can add to that except uh, repeating it and pretending it's my own thought or adding one of my own waffly stories <laughs> that people hate. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to wrap up. Um, uh, we will be pushing this out as a podcast later in this week, so do feel free to listen back and share. Remember, we do these Twitter spaces live once a month, so do keep an eye on fundraisingeverywhere.com. Uh, join on to the mailing list or, or follow us on Twitter if you're not already. Um, and do please uh, find the courage and strength to come on and share your thoughts because we love uh, our fundraising community's opinions. Um, at fundraisingeverywhere.com, we have a, a number of events coming up. We have a, a free webinar next week around NFTs. So if you're into non-fungible tokens or you just like the word fungible, um, then please do register for that. And then we've got some larger paid conferences coming up around legacy giving, around leadership, uh, plenty more. And then, as always, our members will get access to a lot of private member stuff that is coming up as well. So do check out fundraisingeverywhere.com for anything you want to see or reach out to myself or Nikki or any of the Fundraising Everywhere team if you have any questions and we would love to hear from you. Um, but Nikki, unless you have anything else to say, I think we might be wrapping up. Just one little thing. Uh, our next uh, spaces is going to be themed around live virtual events. We do actually have some research landing, which proves that live virtual events like uh, conferences, live conferencing, meetings, does have a positive impact on accessibility, sustainability and donor relationships, which actually links nicely to what we were talking about today. But that was it. Beautiful. So that usually takes place on a Monday in the middle of the month. It'll take place in about four to five weeks. Um, but we will keep you updated on uh, Twitter and on um, our website and mailing list. So please do try and come by and uh, have a listen or have a chat. But otherwise, everyone, lovely to see you. Mind yourselves. Take care of each other. Uh, I hope um, I hope everything that's happening in the world right now isn't getting you down. Oh, I think the cat. It's partly the cat and partly my 10-year-old. So I have to go. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Lovely to see everyone. Take care and see you again. Bye.